Well, tonight we're going to be taking a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. We're going to look at a lot of different Greek words. Have some, have some fun with it. We're not going to hit all of them, but hopefully we can whet your appetite enough. You can go back and take a look at some of the others. Check them out. In these verses of Scripture, we're going to see some things that will be happening around us in what the Bible calls the last days. It will give us signs to, to look for. And when I think of signs to look for, I always used to think of common destinations. You may have a common destination that you have that you are uh, used to going to. And we get used to the signs that we're getting close. And I know one of the places we used to, I used to still do love to go to Ocean City, New Jersey. And I know all the signs we're getting there. When I was little, you could tell by the, uh, by, by certain things you would pass. I didn't know roads as much then, but there was a circle diner that we'd be passing. Once we passed that, boy, we knew we were almost there. And then the, going over the bridge into, onto the island and the smells from the bay. I love the smells from the bay and the salt air that would come and you get all those things, but you always knew when you're getting close because there'd be certain signs. Those signs didn't show up when you were a good distance away. They only showed up during the last leg, the last couple of miles, you would see these signs. This is what Paul's telling us here. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. There are things that we're seeing around the world here today. And as we're doing some studies on some Greek words, some of these words will give us some understanding of what it is we're going to be facing around us. So that doesn't come as a surprise. We can see the road signs. When he says, but know this, the word there is gnosko, and I gave you an extra O in that if you want to cross it off. I was trying to give you the one with the, the long O. Cross the other one out. You don't need that one. You are pretty familiar with the word gnosko even before we were doing word studies. It's a very uh, well-used word for no. Two of the main ones for no is oida, which means absolute knowledge, and then gnosko, which is more of a knowledge by experience. Definition I gave you here is to be taking in knowledge, to come to know, recognize, understand, or to understand completely. But he doesn't just say, Gnosko this. He says, now or but know this. He's really emphasizing, this is something you need to get into you. Don't let this be a surprise to you. Don't let this come upon you. He says, you need to get to the place of knowing that in the last days, perilous times, Will come. Now the word there for last is the, the Greek word eschatos, which means last in time or place and utmost extreme. Last in time or place, utmost extreme. I actually combined a couple of definitions to, um, to get that for you just to try and make it as complete as I could. We got our word eschatology from the study of the last, last days or last, or uh, end times. It is the last of days or the end of the age is what this is talking to, talking about when he uses this word eschatos. We're talking about the end of the last days. We may say the last days are upon us. Paul may say the last days are upon us, but we're looking at the end of the last days when we use this this word here. <clears throat> now, let's, he says that perilous times will come. The word there, perilous, means hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous, harsh, fierce, or savage. 
This word is used only one other time in the entire New Testament. And it's over in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. When he had come to the other side, to the country of the, the uh, Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, and there's our word, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. What we have here is that this is talking about perilous times here in our verse that we're looking at. And in Matthew, he's talking about perilous or fierce people. That these two folks were demon-possessed and so fierce that no one would pass that way. In fact, people would avoid going this particular direction because of the danger that was there. These guys might jump out and attack you. And these were strong guys when this uh, demon spirit, when these demon spirits would come upon them, they could break chains. They couldn't keep them in, uh, bound up. So they would stay away from here. This is the, the word that is used when he talks about perilous times. We're talking about hard to bear times. We're talking about troublesome times. We're talking about dangerous, harsh, fierce, even savage. But notice this, everyone else avoided the tombs. But Jesus made it his intention. He purposely went to the tombs. And he went to the tombs to make a difference. When he says the perilous times will come, he's not using a word here that should cause us to be in fear. He's using a word that Jesus uh, was used about a man that Jesus encountered, men that Jesus encountered. And he was not fearful. He walked right into those gardens. They came right up to him. And Jesus had authority over them and took care of the situation. Made it better. So, just because these are perilous times, it doesn't mean we are supposed to cower, be in fear, avoid that, stay, lock ourselves up and, and not be our proclaimers of light. That's not where we're supposed to be. He's just telling us that know this, get to know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then we get into the meat of what he wants to say. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Men will be lovers of themselves. Now when he uses the word men here, he's using a general word for mankind. You can use a specific one for men, speaking about the, the males, when that, that's the word that is used when he said the feeding of the 5,000. There were 5,000 men. That was a word specifically speaking about the men that were there. But here, we're just talking about man as in mankind. So that could be male or female. So men or people will be lovers of themselves. The word here for lovers for themselves is a compound word. Phil altos. It is fond of self or selfish. Now we take the Greek word we're all familiar, familiar with. Philos for phileo to uh, to love or to be found of someone to treat affectionately, kindly to welcome or befriend of course we all know Philadelphia comes from this city of brotherly love uh, that's a combination of this word phileo and of course the word for brother to love your brother but here it's talking about loving yourself now generally when the word phileo is used, it's used of a kind affection towards another person but here you have someone who has kind affection towards themselves. There's no other people in the room. That's uh, this is not really how this word is supposed to be used. But that's how they, they combined it. 
lovers of themselves, fond or or fond of self or selfish, is what you would see that as. Then uses the word lovers of money. Some uh, translations put it in there as covetous. Uh, this one's a compound word again. Phileo is being used and the word agurus, which means silver. So basically this means that you uh, have a love for money. So they translated in the, I believe New King James covers it, lovers of money. Of course, the love of money is the root of all evil in, in one verse of Scripture. Not money itself, but the, the love of money. Now this word is used over in Luke chapter 16, verse 14, when it says, Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money uses that same one. So we see that the Pharisees had this attitude in them that, are, that is said will be coming about in the end times. So obviously the end times, this attitude would be a lot stronger. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. So we've covered over two of these here, and I tell you what, digging into these words in the Greek is just, it, it's a lot of fun. I didn't go back and look up whether we did this in the end times class. I imagine we probably did, but I didn't go back and look up that. I was just going at it here to, um, looking them up here today. So this picture is, so far that we had this picture is of people who are self-focused, self-centered, and self-consumed. Now look at this word boasters. It comes from a Greek word that means, and I, I pulled a Rick Renner definition on this, a person so committed to his own self-promotion that he will even lie, exaggerate, and, and embellish the story to look better than they are to get what they want. When he says boasters, we're not just talking about people who go around and, and boast of the things that they've done. We're talking about people who will say things that didn't happen. Exaggerate what happened to be something bigger. Make themselves to become something far more than they were in the uh, actual account. And, you know, we've seen that sometimes in the news where people were saying, well, we were overseas and we were serving in the military to find out they weren't in the military at all. We've had other people who come up with stories and say, well, we were taking enemy fire and to find out there was no enemy fire at all. They just made up the whole story about it. They embellish it. Well, this is something that the Word of God said is going to be going on. It's not a godly trait. I remember um, years ago I was told about Billy Graham and one of the things that he did when he started off his his uh, campaign to evangelize is I believe he gave three, three, three commands I don't know if I remember all three of them but one of them was that they would underestimate everything that happened so if 300 people got saved they'd call it 200 they'd always un- underestimate it they would call it lower than it was just to just to make sure, because uh, you know a lot of people would say if 500 people came forward, well that was 700 or that was a thousand or there was a lot of that going on and, and people would embellish the results, and so he would always make sure no whatever it is uh, say that it was less, and that was one of the things that they had they had done and they had other other things that they did and it just really set him above where everyone else was because of the standards that they that they kept. But you see, the enemy wants you to to exaggerate. To say that things were better than they actually were. Uh, Facebook is a great place for this. People put up 
things about their life and you might think that their life is just so fantastic and so great but um, in reality they, they probably aren't they're just trying to keep up with other people so as they have exaggerated they didn't know they exaggerated so they exaggerate some of the things that happen on their side just don't you don't need to do that don't follow the example that's here be lovers of themselves lovers of of money don't be boasters. Don't be those people that uh, that exaggerate. And this word here for blasphemers. This can be one who blasphemes God. And a lot of times we read this and that's how we hear it. One who blasphemes God. But most often, this means those who speak discourteously, slanderously, and reproachfully or to rail against by bringing abusive, debasing, degrading accusations against those with whom one does not agree. Boy, can you see that today. It's hard to pick up a newspaper or listen to a news news story, which I'm sure many of you don't do. But if you ever hear any of the accounts that are going on, the news media will just pick on, on different ones and just berate them and just put them down and just say all sorts of things against them. And they aren't even a substantiated anymore. They'll just, you know, they'll find something that somebody said on Twitter and because somebody said it, they'll repeat it. Before long, a person's reputation is all destroyed. The Word of God said, in the end, the last days, the end times, these are the things that are going on. These are not things that are of God. These are things that are of the Father. Or not of the Father. They're of the Father of the devil. Don't let these things sway you. Make sure that if the news media, especially them, because I just I can't find anything redeeming in them. But if they start picking apart on, on any particular person, just know they're probably okay. It's just, a, it amazes me, the people that they have, have done. We're not just talking the last year or two. A couple of years. I mean, it's been going back for a while. You find people that were upstanding people, even even uh, folks that were were uh, praised by people in the news industry, and then all of a sudden they either stood for something, came against something, and then they've been lambasted, and then they were called all sorts of things. And this word is them to a T. They are blasphemers. In Second Peter two and verse eleven, we're going to see this word used again. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. That word reviling is the same word blasphemers. The angels wouldn't do it. Well, make sure that we don't, we don't go around and doing the same type of thing. Don't just think that blasphemy is uh, saying something against God. Using the Lord's name in a in a bad way, any of that. More often, it's those who speak discourteously, slanderously, reproachfully, or to rail against by bringing abusive, debasing, degrading accusations against those with whom one does not agree. Used to be that if we didn't agree on things, we could just walk away and not be all right. Not anymore. That is not the way that uh, that goes on. 
Well, he goes on with this. Let's read this verse again. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud. And that word there for proud, I didn't break that one down, but uh, uh, we can we can say that you're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Boasters, proud, and there's a lot of prideful people going around and God to resist the proud and we know all those different verses that are there. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents though. This is an interesting interesting word. It's actually uh, comes from the, the Greek word to uh, unpersuadable, rebellious and disobedient. Unpersuadable, rebellious and disobedient. It's a compound word the one word talks about being persuaded and then they put the negative ah in front of it. What this means is not just that children are disobeying parents. What this means is parents can no longer persuade, control, lead, or exercise authority over. So a day is coming when children will no longer be required to submit to or follow the orders and leadership of their own parents. And have we seen that go on today? A day is coming when children will no longer be required to submit submit to or follow the orders and leadership of their own parents. So you see this with a lot of the things they have done in the area of, of abortion. That you can have an abortion... I, believe without uh, parental consent but the school can't give you an aspirin (laughs) they are are working to undermine the authority of the parents and countless stories that I've heard of things that parents and schools are doing to undermine what's going on with the parents and the parents become in fear if I do this they'll call me for abuse they could be taking my children away if the state doesn't like the way that you're raising your children, they will step in and threaten to take them away unless you comply and you do the things that they want them to do. So authority there is, is gone. So we read that, disobedient to parents, but we're talking about unpersuadable, rebellious, and disobedient. That parents can no longer persuade, control, lead, or exercise authority over their children. And that's sure is stuff that we're seeing in the end times in these in these particular end times it didn't used to be that way but it sure is becoming as such and then when those children grow up you know we're seeing a whole lot of that going on now with the young people that are growing up they're just not um, you, you put them into a work environment and because they didn't have to listen to mom and dad why should I have to listen to a boss what do you mean I have to work to get the money I should just show up and that attitude is not going to be be helpful. We just celebrated celebrated, remembered the anniversary of D-Day. I've heard people say if we were called on as a country to have another D-Day with the people that we have that would make up the army now be able to to do that. And you know we have a volunteer force right now. Most of the people that are most of, not all. My son's in there of course so I know that not all (laughs) but most of them have an attitude that they want to be there. But the numbers are much lower than they, w- they were when you had to fight a war. And much lower than you, you needed for a D-Day assault. 
what would happen if they were put under such stress and such uh, uh, fire from the enemy. Well, let's take a look here at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, and despisers of good. This word here for unloving, astorgos, it means hard-hearted towards others and without natural affection. Hard-hearted towards others without natural affection. And surely we see a lot more of that going on. It used to be that if people saw somebody in need, if they saw somebody hurt, that more than uh, more than one person would stop and would help and would try and do things. And anymore we hear stories of how people just ignored with whatever it is that's going on. They're hard-hearted towards others. Well, that doesn't affect me. So we're just, uh, uh, we're not going to care. There's no natural affection that's there for other people. And this is something that uh, we can say it's always been around. There's always been some people that have treated others that way. But what he's saying here is in the end times, watch the signs. You're going to see this begin to pick up. And it's going to happen with more and more people. You're going to have this go on. Because they're falling into more selfishness. I want to make sure I didn't skip any of my... Oh, I did. Look at that. Go back over to verse 2. Left out a whole section of this here. I, I forgot to put it in your outline, but I had a bunch of stuff on this, this one. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, <clears throat> unthankful, unholy. This is not the only time we see these two things connected together. Unthankful and unholy. Nothing real special in their meaning, but when they are teamed up a lot together because it seems that one breeds the other. People who are unthankful become unholy. And people who are unholy become unthankful. When we don't appreciate the nation that our God has blessed us with, we allow unholy things to come in. And we saw a number of people over the over the decades we saw a greater amount of people not appreciating the great country that we had and we went from the the 50s to the 60s to the 70s and the immorality that began to come into our country as that unthankfulness began to began to grow and we became more and more unholy i heard that there was a person who wrote a book i don't know what the book was i didn't get to hear what the book was but he wrote this book and he predicted this is decades ago he predicted that on televisions in the United States of America that there would be homosexual acts and homosexual couples on the TV. And they, they, people were offended. People were appalled. There's no way that would happen. And now it seems like every show seems to, to try and work that in. We don't let that go whenever it happens. If we're watching a show and they're going to work that in, my wife and I, we... We sound off. We say, hey, we used to watch that show. Uh, don't appreciate bringing that sort of stuff in my home. And it's not that we have hate for anybody who, who wants to, they want to live that way, that's fine. But I don't have to bring that lifestyle into my house. And that's just our decision. If your decision is that you want to bring it into your show, well, then you bring it into your show. It's your show. That's <laughs> your decision. It's my decision not to watch it. And we just let them know. We don't get nasty with them. We don't get uh, threatening. We don't... Uh, 
go and find all their sponsors and threaten them. We just let them know. We did watch it. We did enjoy it. But then you brought this stuff in and we're not going to watch it anymore. And just to let them know, because I guess they, they see that the number of people begin to wind down. But I'm thankful. People begin to expect. Well, I think that, I think the government ought to just, you know, pay off all my student loans. I think the government ought to just, uh, supply me with, with whatever it is that I want. And not thankful, just expected it. This is what, this is what they ought to do. Well, I'll tell you what, once we bring in that unthankfulness, it's unholy behavior that comes. Or you can start with unholy behavior. And if you allow unholy behavior to come in, you will become increasingly unthankful for the things that you have and the people that are around you. They just seem to work hand in hand. So this is not the only place where these two words are teamed up, but they are teamed up here, talking about the end times. The last days. That we will see more and more people become unthankful for what they have. We have children unthankful for what their parents have provided them. We have workers who are unthankful for what their bosses have given them in a job. We have people that are unthankful for the cars they have, the homes they have, the places they live, the people they have in their lives. Just unthankful. And constantly we see the unholy behavior begin to take off. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, hard-hearted towards others and without natural affection. Now here's another word. This is an interesting word. If you go to the King James, it translates it completely differently. Here in the New King James, it translates it unforgiving. In the King James, it translates it truce breakers. The word, as you look it up and you see the definition, it is from the word spandas, which means uh, treaty or covenant. And then again, they put the ah in front of it, negating it. And that's where the King James got truce breakers from, that they are people who break a covenant. The New King James put this as unforgiving, I guess because People who uh, break a covenant and break a truce have obviously had something go on that they were unforgiving. But that's a little bit more limiting than it should be. I think uh, one of the few times that the King James actually got a better translation than the New King James was probably there, calling it truce breakers or covenant breakers or, or something like that. And we'll see this with the, with the end time. I mean, people can make a, a covenant and just break it. And uh, most people I see comment on this are immediately going to the higher divorce rate. The people are, are breaking the, uh, going into divorce. And since his previous context was for parents and the siblings and, or I'm sorry, the, the children, offspring, and how they were conducting themselves, keeping the family in mind, they, they saw this more in the, in the divorce area. The breaking the covenant between the husband and the, and the wife. And of course, whenever they do that, unforgiveness is, is part of it. They don't usually get divorced. With, and being all loving and forgiving with each other. But we are certainly seeing that not just in the area of uh, marriage and uh, divorce, and, but you're, you're seeing that just about any agreement that somebody makes. Well, they can't hold me to that. Well, they can't make me do that. 
Well, I may have uh, taken that job, but I found this job. And uh, instead of, used to be customary, you get a two weeks notice, you know, give the employers time. As soon as people find a, a good job, where they do now? There they leave. And it's not just one side. It isn't just like the employees are just uh, burning the, 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 the other people. Uh, I've heard a lot of uh, employees, they put in their notice, and as soon as they put in their notice, I'll, I'll give you two weeks, and you know, in two weeks I'll, uh, but they're escorted out of the building by a security force. <laughs> Pack up your stuff, and, and so they, they didn't even get the two weeks. And so then that, that kind of spurred on, well, if I tell them I'm going to leave, then I have no job for the next two weeks. And if, if they do decide to kick me out, so there, there's just no, there's no covenant on either side. And so it's not just the employees. It goes up both sides as well. And um, we're seeing an increase. It didn't used to be that way. People used to honor their, their covenants. Well, I have a job. I need to give them some notice. We would do that if, if we had a, an offer. And generally, the people who are offering the jobs have, we understand that and appreciate it because if you're going to do that for them, you're going to do the same thing for me down, down the road. And they, they can appreciate that. But uh, not so much anymore. We're not seeing that and that's there. So he's saying that these are the things that are going to are going to increase. People will be truce breakers. They'll break treaties. They'll break covenants. They don't care what it is that they had had put in there. No, we'll just go ahead and break this. Um, unf- unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. The word here that is translated slanderers is actually the Greek word diabolos. Does that sound familiar to you? We usually translate it Satan, devil, but it also means false accuser or slanderer. They translate it here slanderer. Now I'm not saying that uh, Paul is trying to say that they're all little devils (laughs) using this particular word because apparently this word does have other other things was not created for the devil. It is a false accuser or a slanderer, but it is certainly one that is described as the devil and one that if you say diabolos, most people can tell right off the bat who you're talking about. That's the word that is used here. In the King James Version, it uses false accusers. Here in the New King James, it uses slanderers. But in the last days, we're going to see more people unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, People who will false accuse. And boy, is that ever going on now. I mean, if you want to run for any particular office, if you want to go after any kind of a public job, you are going to be stood in front of a court and people are just going to be brought up and just accuse. All sorts of ways. You've heard me tell the story before, but I still get amazed at it. Uh, Herman Cain, who was a just an upstanding... I mean, everybody looked up to him. And then when he decided to run for president... Accusers came out of the woodwork. And as soon as he said uh, he wasn't going to put his family through all that and, and he gave up the, the running, everything stopped. I just didn't see, that didn't seem right to me. I didn't believe the accusers anyway. Uh, but, you know, for, for me, you got to prove it. I told you before, we've had a couple of times, not many, a couple of times, people here in church tried to accuse somebody else in church of something. And I, I would stand there and tell them, I cannot take your word for this having happened. I need another witness. And I told them, that's just what's, that's what's in the Bible. 
if I don't have another witness, I'm not going to say that you're lying to me and I'm not going to say that they did it. <laughs> I'm bound by the Word of God on that. But we're not bound with that, with, it seems, with, with these other ones. I, I still get amazed at that with um, Bill Cosby. I, I didn't follow it. I won't admit to that. I didn't follow it. I didn't see what happened with all the accusers. I know he got in, eventually got put in jail, but I believe he was still claiming to be innocent and the people were making up stuff. It seemed like nothing came out until he made a call for certain people to act a certain way. And then when he made that call, people didn't like that and, and uh, the, ac- the accusers came up. I don't know if there was truth to it. It just seemed like uh, another situation where that, that could be. But boy, I, just so much of this is going on. People are just making all these, these accusations. And, uh, and it's easy to do. You know, 30 years ago, they did this. 25 years ago, they did this and, and, and tried. How is it that you don't say anything for 25 years? And then suddenly this person is running for office or this person wants to do a particular thing or go after a certain thing. And, and it's there. And the Word of God predicted this. This was going to happen. It didn't happen like this before. It didn't used to go on like this. But boy, is it going on now. I think a lot of people who might run for office, any office, I don't just mean president, I mean senator, uh, a dog catcher, whatever it might be, I think you're thinking twice because do I want to go through all that scrutiny? I don't know that I would want to go through all that scrutiny. And then people just can come out of the woodwork and make any kind of accusation that they want to. And then you have to, um, you have to put your family through all that, defend all that, and uh, uh, when, when Herman came back backed out, I understood it totally. He didn't want to put his family through it. He wasn't saying that I'm guilty of any of these things. It's just that he didn't want to put his family through it. But this is a sign of the last days. This is one of those things. Here it comes. Coming up on you. False accusers. Here's the next one. Brutal. The King James Version puts it fierce. Boy, I tell you what, this verse is so different in these two translations. If you read the King James, you would not even know that it's the same verse in the New King James. Because I, I one time stumbled upon the wrong translation I was reading. I said, is this the same? <laughs> I thought I was... And had to get back to the, to the one I was using. But this word here, brutal, the Greek word means savage, vicious, uncivilized, violent, ferocious, or inhumane. Now this word, I believe, is only used here in the, in the King James. If you want to get, or in the, um, in the New Testament, if you want to find how this word is used in other places in the Greek, that's where you have to go because the Bible doesn't use it any place else. This is it. But describes what's going to happen here in the end times as brutal. That these, the people will be acting in a way that will be described as savage, vicious, uncivilized, violent, ferocious, inhumane. I think it's some of the riots that we've seen in the last five years, six years, ten years, whatever it is. And you just look at the, the way the people would go about doing to destroying other people's property. I don't know who owns this business, but I'm just going to destroy it and burn it. And I don't know who owns this car, but I'm just going to destroy it and burn it because I'm mad. I remember that one that was down in Baltimore. I don't remember 
all the stuff that went on about it, but I remember the it was remarkable, the mayor, the lady mayor that was over the over the town at the time, and said, well, we're just going to let them uh, go out there and destroy. I actually made that statement. We're just going to give them room. She gave her police officers the order, uh, give them room to destroy. I thought it was their, uh, their role to protect the people, but they, they didn't. They, stand, they stood back and let that go on. I forget what her name was. I just heard her name in the news not too long ago, but she's not a person that I keep at the forefront of my my mind but brutal savage vicious and you see some of the things that would go on there when they get in these these riots and uh, I mean beat people destroy stuff set fires no, no care as to who's going to get hurt you think of some of the things that go on in the area of um, of abortion with this uh, abortion is just it's the most brutal thing that you can you can do I heard the figures I don't know how old they were but over one billion abortions around the world. What's our pop, what's our world population right now? Is it four billion, five billion, six, seven billion? It's just over seven billion, and one billion have been killed in abortions. And when they do it, they they do it, you know, by tearing them limb from limb, ripping off the leg, ripping off the arm, until they get all the baby out. Or injecting it with some kind of a poison, or severing the spine, all while it's inside the womb. And then what was? It wasn't too long ago. Over in New York, they passed the bill that if the baby was born, they can kill it. And I remember, I remember hearing, watching the thing. They cheered. The people cheered because they could now abort the baby if the baby was born alive, if they intended to abort it. That's brutal. That's, to me, that's savage. Uh, it used to be, you know, we see a little baby. Oh, how cute. You know, no matter how ugly they were. Yeah, how cute. Most babies, when they're born, especially if they're not born C-section, they just get all a little smushed up and they come out a little bit ugly. <laughs> it takes them a couple of days to get cute again, I think. <laughs> just, that's just natural. It's, don't get, don't get real, real cute, but, hmm. But still, we'll look at them in that state and how many people, oh, how cute, oh, how beautiful. And we're taking those little ones and just ripping them apart in the womb of the mother. How is that not brutal? And I'm not, I don't try and cause people who have had abortions to feel guilty on it. You know, people tell you things and they, they, they uh, buy into them and talk them into the abortion. I'm, I'm more looking at the people that are performing this. The people who have the abortions, they've lived with... Uh, I know a number of them. They live with a lot of guilt for a lot of years. And I feel for them. But there's people out there who, after one abortion, they go and they have another. And then another. And they, they take the baby parts and they sell them for profit. And they did a whole, they did a whole uh, expose on exposing the people who were selling these babies for profit. And the people who did the expose and exposed it got in trouble. Not the people who are selling the baby parts. How is that right? <laughs> but we're supposed to be a civilized society. And we're killing more babies than Hitler ever killed Jews, than Russia ever killed Jews or all the other people that they persecuted. But this is what he, is, he has predicted. 
This is what he said was coming about. People would be unloving, hard-hearted towards others and without natural affection. Unforgiving, truce breakers, breakers of covenant, slanderers, people who go around just make a false accusation because someone asked them to. Brutal, fierce, savage, vicious, uncivilized, violent, inhumane. And here's a here's one, despisers of good. It takes three English words to get this word. It is one word in the Greek. Hostile to virtue, despiser of those that are good. This is, depicts a society where law is not primarily intended to protect the rights of good people, but rather is used instead to protect and defend the rights of offenders. I mean, this has gone on for a long time. I've, I've heard people say, if an intruder comes in your house and you shoot him, make sure he falls inside your house. If he falls outside your house, you could be in trouble. <laughs> That's a law that is that is not made to protect the people. It's, it's made to protect the offenders. Right? It, it, it makes no sense. person came into your house wanted to do harm to your family. You protected your family. You didn't ask them to come in. You had no intention to try and harm them, but they came in to harm you. And if you harmed them first, you could be in trouble. Uh, We say, how does this go on? But the Bible, how many thousands of years ago, (laughs) predicted this? 2,000 years ago, said this is what's going to happen. People will be despisers of good. And all you have to do is go out there and try and do a little bit of good and see how many people come after you. If you're going to be one who, who stands on the side of, of being good and standing up for the things of the Word, standing up for the things of God. Come after you. Despisers of good. We're not just talking about people, well, okay, you go over there and you do your good. We're going to go over here and we're going to do what we want to do. Despisers of good. These are hostile to virtue. Despisers of those that are or those that do good. The word is only used here in the New Testament. We don't see it other places. But this isn't what God wants us to to have happen. He doesn't want us to become despisers of good. Or that the good people become afraid to do good because I'll be despised for it. Now, I got something to read to you. This took me a little while to piece this together because I had to go to a whole best bunch of different places and kind of piece it together. But Brother Rick Renner, he sometimes takes little excerpts and interprets a, a verse and kind of does his own expanded translation. But this wasn't all in one place. So I've got most of verses 2 and 3. In the Rick Renner expanded translation, I'm going to read this for you. It's wordy. Because <laughs> Brother Rick is wordy. That's what he does. I love that he, uh, I love all the words that he uses. Here it is. People will be self-consumed, self-absorbed, self-focused, and in love with themselves more than anyone else. As a result of this self-love, they will hoard money for themselves while spending very little to help others. These boasters are so committed to their own self-promotion and agenda that they are willing to exaggerate overstate the facts, stretch the truth, embellish a story 
and even lie if it will get them the position, position, advantage, or goal they desire. They are arrogant, haughty, impudent, snooty, and insolent. They disdain, mock, slander, and speak ill of anyone that stands in the way of their plans. And in this environment, parents will no longer be able to persuade, control, lead, or exercise authority over their children. Although they were once thankful and appreciative people, I'm sorry, although they were once thankful and appreciative, people will become void of gratitude and generally unappreciative of everything in the last times. As a result, impurity will seep into society and cause it to become unholy, impure, ill-mannered, unclean, indecent, coarse, vulgar, offensive, crude, lewd, and rude, behaving and carrying on in a way that God would never sanction. Although they were once thankful and appreciative, people will become void. Did I just read that? People will become void of gratitude and generally unappreciative of everything in the last times. As a result, impurity will seep into society and cause it to become unholy. I think I recopied part of that over. Love and commitment for family will degenerate. Divorce will become epidemic with irreconcilable differences being the major causes for separation. And the court system will be overwhelmed as people go overboard in their suing others and in being sued. Well, this is the picture that Paul says will be happening in the last days, in the days that are the end of the age. So what is happening in the world here, it shouldn't surprise us and it shouldn't cause us fear. But we ought to follow the example of Jesus. We go to the peril. We go to the place where the chaos is. And we bring about change. We're not here to be in fear of this. Because though this is fierce, though this is savage, it is still of the devil. And the devil is under our God. The devil does not hold a candle to our God. Don't be in fear. Stand up to it and just know that our God is on our side. And though it looks like it's pretty pretty horrendous what we're seeing. Don't be in fear. We look at the people in the Old Testament and though they didn't face what it's going to be like here in the end times. No one has faced what it's going to be like here in the end times. But we see that people like Elijah stood up to the fierceness of what was coming against him. We see Daniel and his friends stand up against the fierceness of what came against them. We see many other in the, in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament who stood up to the fierceness of what was coming against them. We look at some of the people in the seven churches and the incredible persecution that was coming against them. In fact, one church, the Lord even said to them, some of you, you're going to die. But it's all right. (laughs) Wow. There is a great fierceness that the enemy will throw against the church and it is going to get even greater. The greatest will be seen in the tribulation period itself 
But as the times were approaching, as the last days are coming close, these are things that are going to increase. We have to make sure we stand on our guard. Don't be in fear. Don't follow suit. Don't give in to the pressure. Don't be doing these things that the world is growing in. Just because the world is breaking their covenants doesn't mean that you should. Just because the world is so happy doesn't mean that we should be. We have to make sure that we do what the Lord tells us to do. Be submissive to Him. Don't follow in a submissive submissive way to the enemy, to the world, or their ways. Well, Father, I thank You for the warnings that You have given us in the Word of God. But with all the warnings, it's just for us to be aware. It is not a warning for us to be in fear. I thank You that we do not have to be in fear. That You have led us in a place where perfect love casts out fear. Father, we know that You love us, that You care for us. We see what is going on in these last days. But we won't become bewildered. We won't be wondering where is our God because our God has told us this is what's going to go on and that is a sign for you that these are the last days. Father, we thank you that we get to be here and be part of this to stand up for you and your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.